of Annunciation Radio. We are so blessed that you are with us on this night, wherever life may have you, whatever struggles, whatever joys, you're meant to be here. And uh, we're blessed to have this time together to open our hearts and our minds to seek God's grace, to bring the reality of our lives, to open the reality of our lives. And what I mean by that is, so often we're just presenting God the, uh, the happy self, right? We think that he can't handle the stuff, the junk, the debris, and uh, that's why he loves us so much that he, you know, we have this this phrase, real presence. We receive the real presence. He wants us to be real with him so that he can invade our lives, conquer us, come into the, the manger of our lives, the Bethlehem of our lives, and we can see it transformed by his grace. And so tonight, we're, we're blessed to have you with us, and we're very blessed to have some guests that we're going to introduce very, very shortly, and they're going to share with us, I think, a, a real insightful journey that is applicable to many who are our age, 30s, 40s, 50s, embarking upon love, sexuality, marriage, family. Uh, what does all that mean? What has God's plan for all it all? in an hour. That's pretty good. Yeah. So they're going to share with us their own journey, and uh, we've been blessed to know them, and they give such great witness to us. Before we go there, though, to set the stage, we're going to proclaim the office of reading, reading today from Sirach, from uh, the, the Corpus of Wisdom Literature is what we call it in the Old Testament. And it resonates with this opening song you heard tonight from Mercy Me, me to the Younger Me, if you will. And it's worth us considering, you know, what, what advice would we give to the younger you? You know, what wisdom would you give to the you five, ten years ago, given what you know now, the decisions that you made? We want to set the stage a little bit with that tonight, and um, and maybe tonight share with those of you who are listening, uh, and maybe are, we're 49, uh, Miller's younger than us, I think, but uh, they're, um, to give wisdom to that younger us, those of you who are dating, engaged, married, struggling, and whatever your circumstances are, we want to be really honest with you tonight. We want to share with you whatever wisdom we've acquired and learned as we're on a journey, certainly. And to set that stage again, we're just going to read this from the Office of Readings in Sirach 11, 12 to 28. Another goes his way, a weakling and a failure, with little strength and great misery. Yet the eyes of the Lord look favorably upon him. He raises him free of the vile dust, lifts up his head and exalts him to the amazement of the many. Good and evil, life and death, poverty and riches are from the Lord. Wisdom and understanding and knowledge of affairs, love and virtuous paths are from the Lord. Error and darkness were formed with sinners from their birth, and evil grows old with evildoers. The Lord's gift remains with the just. His favor brings continued success. A man may become rich through a miser's life, 
And this is his allotted reward when he says, I have found rest. Now I will feast on my possessions. He does not know how long it will be till he dies and leaves them to others. My son, hold fast to your duty. Busy yourself with it. Grow old while doing your task. Admire not how sinners live, but trust in the Lord and wait for his light. Mm. For it is easy with the Lord suddenly in an instant to make a poor man rich. God's blessing is the lot of the just man, and in due time his hopes bear fruit. Say not, what do I need? What further pleasure can be mine? Say not, I am independent. What harm can come to me now? The day of prosperity makes one forget adversity. The day of adversity makes one forget prosperity. For it is easy with the Lord on the day of death to repay man according to his deeds. A man's affliction brings forgetfulness of past delights. When a man dies, his life is revealed. Call no man happy before his death, for how for by how he ends, a man is known. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Dear Lord, we thank you for being present to us this very moment. We who are down here on this earth yet working out and seeking to understand in shadows sometimes, in debris and darkness, the steps that we are to take, God. We are fallen We've misstepped each of us here, Lord. We acknowledge that. We confess it. And Lord, in a sense, we proclaim the greatness of it. For in our darkness and our missteps, we know that uh, you revealed yourself to us as the light. You made us incomplete, that we can seek you. You made us sinners, allow us to be sinners, I should say, that we can seek you as our Savior. And we do that tonight, God. We desire to experience you in a fresh, new way. Send your spirit upon us, all who are listening now, God. Open our minds and our hearts to a conviction beyond words that you fashioned us for a great intimacy with you. That we'd seek that, Lord, and cooperate for our part with a virtue to say yes to the steps you would have us take to receive that grace that you want to lavish upon us. We ask this in your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So very blessed to have you with us, Paul and Joni Miller. How are you guys doing tonight? Great. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. It's great to have you. It sure is. And uh, now maybe just back up. Uh, how, do, how do we meet these wonderful people, Stephanie? Just a quick recount of our own history with them. I Jeez, I wasn't prepared for that question because I feel so kindred with you guys. We've known each other forever. It feels right? like forever, but it's really. <laughs> I think I met Joni first at Little Flower at Bloom. Yes, is last that year. right? Yes, mm-hmm. and just your beautiful smile and presence, and had heard about you, and and then I believe you guys came to our Catholic family gathering, our monthly first Saturday shindig and i believe that's when i had the great privilege to see him speechless talking about when i met paul great privilege yes (laughs) how could it not be right and they're awesome awesome kids just have to say that wonderful so just for our listening audience the fellowship of catholics is amazing to and for us to have this monthly catholic family gathering an occasion of prayer and we break off in men's and women's groups and really kind of get to know each other better and the reality of our lives and to to journey together has really been a tremendous privilege. So um, before we, you know, get further,
further, I just want to re- recapitulate, if you will, where we're going tonight. Fun word. Yeah, I like that. So um, we're really wanting to share um, the journey, uh, Paul's and Joni's journey, uh, in their history leading to marriage and through marriage decisions they've made that have brought them to this point of uh, what we see, uh, not pronouncing them saints yet, but uh, clearly giving great witness to us of a joy-filled uh, a family seeking to give witness to Christ. And obvi- obviously all that, um, seven kids, one of whom is on the way, um, as you might imagine, listening audience, not without its challenges, not without its struggles. And uh, they're going to share with you that journey tonight. So with no further ado, ladies first, Joni, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? Well, I was born and raised in Slovenia, Ohio, so I haven't wandered um, very far from home. Um, by very loving parents who just celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary oh, last June. that's awesome. Happy anniversary. So that was a special, special uh, celebration. Very cool. And I have two older brothers, and um, so I was born and raised Catholic. So the baby girl. I am. I was very spoiled. And since my brothers <laughs> As are... As you should have right, been. Right. And since they're older than me, well, one is seven years older and the other is nine years older, so... I was almost kind of an only child for a little period of time when they were out of the house, plus being the only girl. So I got plenty of attention. (laughs) And born and raised Catholic um, my whole life and had um, a wonderful upbringing. We prayed as a family. We went to um, Mass as a family every Sunday. And especially as I got into high school, we prayed the rosary regularly together. So... Always, I had a very firm foundation, and um, that has you know led me this far awesome. in life. So, so um, the Toledo area, a beautiful family, Catholic faith woven into that, and um, you found yourself in high school, going to school uh, there. And did you have a sense of what you were called to do during that period of time? Did you have a sense of being a, a wife or a mother? What were your dreams as you think back to your high school years? I definitely felt called um, to marriage, absolutely, and always had a deep desire for motherhood. Mm-hmm. And knew even then in high school that I desired, you know, someday when married and after having children to want to stay home and, and care for my children. Excellent. So describe a little bit for listeners who may be younger. Um, what, what was the culture like that you were growing up in? You know, how would you describe perhaps where you were coming from your family relative to, say, your peers? And, uh, you know, what kind of defined what was important to them and what they were living for? Oh, when younger, um, I feel like we were with like-minded families overall, as far as my peers I went to school with. Um, but then I think getting into young adult life is probably where there were more um, variances. But I lived out um, a Catholic faith. I, I don't think I understood all of church teaching thoroughly. And so I think I became very influenced by the culture without realizing it, mm-hmm. kind of subconsciously. Um, happens so okay thank you she she speaks first now to uh, Paul Paul give us a little bit of your background well I was uh, also born and raised in Sylvania I'm the baby of seven Uh, both of my parents are now deceased Mm -hmm. Uh, my father passed away when I was 15 Mm -hmm. and my mother passed away a few years back she lived a good good healthy life and uh, I had a great childhood Uh, again born and raised Catholic cradle Catholic uh, unlike Joni, I, I didn't say my first rosary till I was in my 20s. Mm. Um, did not say go to confession till I was in my 20s. Wow. Uh, not things I'm proud of, uh, but uh, nonetheless, it yeah, it's what Reality. it was. 
But uh, growing up Catholic in the family, it was I was proud of my Catholicism, although I didn't quite grasp it and certainly did not understand it like I did today. Uh, father and mother were both uh, regular go to mass on Sundays, and we would go as well. Uh, and it was uh, it was a great childhood, uh, full of a lot of fun, and um, you know just a really warm home. Mm-hmm. Now, in conversation earlier, Paul, you gave a word that I think is very helpful, uh, certainly to my culture growing up around the same age as you, and that word is duty. Uh, Not to diminish um, the faith uh, among my parents and where I grew up, but there was a prominent sense of this is a good thing. And it's what it's what you do. It is it is, if you will, the order of the universe. Maybe a little bit short of perhaps. And I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it was my experience. I don't know if you share this. Maybe why we're doing this, or maybe it's connection to you know an abundant life. John ten ten. Um, does that resonate a little bit with your experience? Absolutely. Uh, I think a lot of our peers could reflect that that sentiment. Um, our parents. It was a duty for them. I believe uh, my parents were. I, I would call them very strong Catholics, but they weren't necessarily catechized very well. And mm-hmm. I certainly was not very well catechized as a child. Uh, it was a duty. It truly was a duty. You go to church on Sunday. You, you, you do the sacraments, um, you know, all the things that go with it. Uh, and so it, with that generation, just with my father and my mother, it was definitely a duty. And, and I felt that I embraced it as a duty. Sunday, go mm-hmm. to Mass. Uh, whatever, you know, the Faithful to your duty. Faithful to yeah. the duty. And mm-hmm. and that was really imprinted on me, and it wasn't until later in life. And, and even now, it's certainly becoming uh, a desire. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's definitely transformed from the duty to the desire, and it's a lot more rich mm-hmm. for me and, and my family as a, as a result of that. Great phrase. And as we talk further, folks who are listening, I think this is going to be going to define, if you will, um, Paul and Joan's journey, certainly mine. And many of you are listening uh, from a duty, you know, a sense of a good that you follow because you ought to, an ought factor, a should factor. And that's a good thing. The beginning of uh, fear is, the beginning of wisdom is fear. But at some point, maybe some of you are asking legitimately, where is the joy in this? Like, where, where is the desire? How, how does this genuinely contribute to me having joy in life when you describe it? Because as uh, many of our listeners, those who uh, maybe are in the faith and go to Mass, but a good number who don't, where's the fun in that? It looks like an obligation. I just go to Mass, really? Pray the rosary? And I could be sleeping in. I could be watching football. What's the point? What's that tithing thing? Really? Why would I want to give money up? And as we're going to enter into uh, momentarily the whole realm of sexuality, how does this inform not just I ought to do this, but how does God's revelation, um, you know, lend itself to to delight, to joy? Uh, and how do we continue to seek to discover that? So, um, we got to move to stage two here, episode two of this great movie. Dun, dun, dun. Thank you for the sound effects. Yep. Um, they meet, just like Pac-Man. So we met Joni, <laughs> we met Paul. There's an image. And I don't have, I'm not even trying to imitate the soundtrack. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> Paul, you were a stellar uh, um, tennis player. Um, just share with us a little bit of the story of how you meet. And, you know, you got to share with us a little bit of the romance, you know. And I know there's probably differences. You guys can interrupt each other. We're a folksy program here. Tell us how that all played out. Okay, so Stellar does not exactly describe it, that's for sure. <laughs> but, uh, yes, I did teach tennis uh, while I was in college, and we were teaching. I was teaching out at the club in Sylvania, and Joan was a student, and 
uh, we uh, started to uh, do go through the courtship process. Let's put it that way. And we uh, were married now 18 years and seven mm-hmm. ch- children later. So, uh, but yeah, it started uh, when I was 22 and Joan was a senior in high school, and we uh, dated through her college years and short, got married shortly after her undergraduate degree and that was again 18 years ago okay you're glossing over this i'm going to bring a little bit of my feminine <laughs> side to this and i thought, thought you'd get away easy with this but let him get away no maybe speaking to some folks out there how do you know when you know how did you know you know there are a million people in the world you saw many women and Joni, you saw a lot of men in the world i mean what was distinctive how did you know you respectively each of you fit each other's criteria how did you know Well, one thing I knew is that I needed to be married to a man who shared my same faith belief and believed in God. Because I had, you know, dated other young men who just had absolutely zero religious um, upbringing at all, no concept of God or prayer. And there was just no real way to connect, you know, there on that. So I always um, knew that I needed to be married to someone who who had some faith and just basic belief in God, you know, which Paul had. And we shared um, both being Catholic which was which was huge so yeah, yeah definitely i mean share, it, looking back did not put a lot of emphasis on it uh, as far as oh, yep check mark the box yep she's catholic great we can pursue a relationship we that wasn't a conscious decision but looking back it was so incredibly important right. mm-hmm. to where we're at today mm-hmm. uh, I can't say we would be in the same place today uh, if that was not the case that we did not share that common denominator of both being catholic because uh, our our faith has grown substantially since that time, and it's grown together. Beautiful. So pre-Cana, the, or marriage prep, whatever folks uh, they call it, uh, my wife and I were blessed to kind of lead in Erie PA uh, 14 years and get a real perspective of um, married couples. And just to share with our audience, probably, you know, easily 90% were already living together before marriage. In fact, through those duration of 13 years, we even saw an increase, probably to 40% that already had kids together mm-hmm. by the time they were approaching marriage. And you had a, a variety of subjects that um, the day would include. And of course, you tried to infuse those with a faith to encounter Christ and all that. But questions such as, you know, finances, and, and talking about finances. You guys early on, you seem to have a, a kind of wisdom that I would say even surpassed uh, maybe many of those folks. In, in even the simple sense, we talked about this before, that you didn't max out your income earning potential, which, let's face it, right out of the gates is a monolithic, huge decision that a lot make a mistake right out of the gates, that they buy a house or they buy cars that demand from them that they both have the exact same position or better and are working together. And then five, ten years down the road, they're asking, well, why don't we see anything of each other or whatever? So, I mean, were you aware maybe that you kind of shared, uh, in addition, so you have Catholic faith, at least profession, talk a little bit more of that later, uh, certainly the chemistry thing. Um, you had some natural virtue there, too, that was very important. Yes. Um, you know, thanks be to God that we both um, had it on our hearts knowing that you know, I wanted to stay home and take care of children if God blessed us with children. and. Paul was always very supportive of that. So right after we got married, we moved to Akron because I went to graduate school. And um, and then shortly after graduating graduate school, I got my first job. So I had a full income. We didn't have any children yet, and so we both had full incomes. But we knew that my income wasn't always going to be there. And so we did 
you have the, the foresight to, um, whenever we made purchases on a home, cars, what have you, we didn't factor my income into that. We knew we knew we needed to be able to pay for everything solely on his, since mine would not be there um, forever. So it was very helpful to plan like that so that we didn't overextend ourselves. Yeah, and our, you know, Joan and I were definitely very blessed from our from our upbringing. We were both taught responsibility with financial decisions, mm-hmm. and, and that played a big part in things as well. Uh, we didn't even think twice about it when it came time to decide, what is Joan going to stay home and uh, care for our children, or are we going to try to have a dual-income lifestyle? Uh, it, I don't think we ever even really discussed it. So we, we were both on the same page. We were both in agreement with that from the beginning. Mm-hmm. So, Joan, you had mentioned you have your master's degree, yes. right? And so also you knew that you wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. How did those two pieces mesh perhaps with your peers? Was that talked about at all or um, commented upon? Because here you are spending money, right, mm-hmm. to get this. What's the purpose? Right. I'm playing devil's advocate. No, that's okay, <laughs> because I think it's difficult for women these days because we're pulled in different directions. You're expected mm-hmm. to do both and to have a full-time career and to do that fantastically and then to still have time to give yourself fully to your family and to your children. So I think it's a lot of pressure on women. And I and I do remember getting some comments, you know, in college, talking to um, some friends that when we would talk about our futures and having kids and and, you know, some comments of, well, then aren't you just wasting your time going for this degree if you're just going to stay home anyway? And um, and I disagreed with that because it helped me to develop as a person, mm-hmm. even if working full time outside the home is not going to be something that I would do for my entire life. So, um, so yeah, there's definitely. And then after having children and staying home, definitely, um, you know, challenges the culture does not exactly embrace women, you know, staying home all the time to take care of their children. Um, It's not seen as a very valued thing to do. Mm -hmm. Like, anyone can just do that. Anyone can take care of your kids. You could be doing something else with your time. So, yeah, that's been a challenge. So there are women right now who are listening, and certainly husbands, um, who haven't made the decision yet. They're getting married, and they've spent good money on a college degree, if not graduate studies. And uh, they're thinking about marriage, or they are married, and uh, they're factoring in, you know, how do we structure this life, if you will. Some are already after the fact. They've made the decision. They got the degree. Um, Just take a moment, and then we're going to really kind of get into the core of the, you know, the challenge, cultural challenge of sexuality and marriage. But just in this area, because you were blessed. You really were blessed to see something there. Help open the door and help us understand why was that not just subjectively a greater good, i.e. a greater good just for you, but why do we believe, and again, we respect everybody's decision, but why, why do we believe that, that the decision to be a mom is an unsurpassed, um, you know, it's not even a position, vocation? Why do we believe that it surpasses, even if you've spent a lot of money in being a doctor, whatever the case may be, what, what, what was it in you that caused you to see that that was such a great value? You know, God had placed it on my heart from a young age, um, thank goodness. And so I had that deep, and I think every woman woman does, have that deep, innate desire to be with her children and to, and to care for them. You know, God places that on us. So I always had that. And I wanted to be the one raising my children. I didn't want somebody else, particularly someone I don't know well, spending more waking hours with my children than myself. 
I wanted to be in control of that, not in a bad controlling way, but in a good controlling way so that I could um, raise our children the way that we want them Mm -hmm. raised in an environment that we see fit. My brother-in-law, I'm thinking, has a magic phrase, Keith and Mel. And Keith, just to give you a little you know, background, never graduated from college, went to college maybe a semester, if 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 less. Um, and, you know, so doesn't make a lot of money, but they're, they're wise and prudent. They have a beautiful Catholic family. And uh, he just made the statement. He said, we didn't have kids for other people to raise them. And that can come across snarky. It's not meant to in any way, shape, or form, but I'm going to state it again because it's just worth considering. We didn't have children for other people to raise them. And how many of times have we encountered here people who struggle with their fertility and having children? And there are many right now. Um, so it, it's a little bit doesn't make sense when you have this built-in desire as a husband and wife, a godly desire to uh, image the Trinity, really, at the deepest level, but to have children and the natural consequence of that to forge in them a love of God that, that no, does not, nothing surpasses the love of a parent or the presence of a parent. And, you know, I think maybe somewhere along the line, um, our culture uh, has sort of reduced parenting to just a function. Mm-hmm. They get paid, you know, they, they eat their food on the table, they get taken to uh, sports, get taken to school, check, 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 I'm doing the parental thing. And somewhere, it seems like maybe we've lost that deeper uh, formative nurturing quality, especially in those four, five, six years, that um, orient that compass for the rest of their lives. Uh, and I encourage our listeners to really even do simple research on, on discovering the effects of those first four, five, six years on the rest of their lives. So, um, well, we're going to move on now, and I just, I'm just i very blessed because this conversation really was initiated um, at one of our monthly Catholic family gatherings, talking about these things, um, and we, we raised the subject really about contraception, and we started talking about marriages, and we get the challenge. We get that many who are practicing, if you will, Catholics going to Mass, struggle with um, understanding it, much less living it. So I want to say to our listeners, we get the struggle. We get that it's pervasive. Um, my wife and I have, like I said, seven children, one in heaven. We get that. We're single income. We're not here to point fingers. We're not here to judge. We do not create, you know, these laws, if you will, of the universe. And, uh, and, and if we're successful here in the next short bit of time, we're going to kind of convey that it's not just this duty, this cold rule, but there is a beauty that should speak to us. We want to invite you. As you listen to just hear the authenticity of uh, Paul and Joan talk about their early years of marriage and um, maybe how their hearts were opened beyond duty to, as what Paul says, desire. So I'm just going to turn it over to you two to share with us, you know, how did that early marriage, pre-marriage vision of how sexuality would play out and what happened to move you to a place now of God's plan for marriage and openness to life and not contraception? Well, I think it's fair to say that both Paul and I, like many young people then and now, are very culturized um, as far as view of human sexuality without realizing it, because it just happens. You're so immersed in it. And what I mean by um, the culture's view is is that God and sex are separate. Mm-hmm. And so I, that's how we both were living Without meaning to, it wasn't on purpose, it wasn't, oh, gee, let's separate these two things. It was just kind of an unawareness of that. And so we um, you know, we knew the church is not in favor of contraception, but never knew why. 
that was just never really talked about, and I it never occurred to me to look, to look into it or to investigate why and and or anything like that. Um, and neither with Paul. So we contracepted early on in our marriage. I was in graduate school, so it was kind of this, oh, no, can't have kids right now. And then I graduated and had to complete a clinical fellowship year. So, again, it was like, oh, no, can't have kids right now. You know, need to wait till that's done and I have my license. And so it all seemed, you know, very logical and responsible to be thinking that way. But had we had a child in that time, it would have been fine. Of course, it would have all worked out fine. Um, but I think it's always just trying to control everything instead of letting letting God and trusting God to be in control. So what ended up happening is another blessing of being home with my children is it really has... I'm going to pause you yes. a second. So at least chronologically, mm-hmm. this is around the time you already had one or two children. So you yes. were open to life in a sense. You were yes. kind of mixing that with contraception. It was a little unusual. Right. Um, but anyways, I'm sorry. Just for our listeners to understand, it's around that time, two right. younger kids. Go ahead. Right. So we had two children um, 20 months apart at that time. and But then I got back on contraception because we had two fairly close. And I think I just got into like that little bit of that panic mode, like, oh, no, how could we have another one, you know, right now? And I did not know much about natural family planning. Neither of us did at the time. And I also believe that the culture puts this pressure on people these days, again, whether they realize it or not, that I think scares people into having, scares people out of having any more than maybe two or three children um, for various reasons. It's too hard. You you can't possibly have that many kids. Um, Financially, you're not going to be able to do it. So I think people are kind of caught on this wave of everybody's contracepting and sterilizing. It's as normal as apple pie. And I don't know how much people are actually stopping and thinking and Mm -hmm. contemplating it. Or we're just so busy and we constantly are going, and so you just do that. You just do that and you keep doing that because everybody else is, and you don't stop and think it through and really contemplate, you know, what you're doing. It's the easy answer mm-hmm. to the to the problem and mm-hmm. i say problem uh i can't believe we're calling that a problem but it, that's a, that was that's the, that's the perspective right. Yeah, yeah right yeah. it is um and and also during that time certainly before our first child we it, we we treated it like it was flipping a light switch mm-hmm. time to have a child let's go we're off the contraception now we're gonna have a child and it's just so incredible for me to reflect back on that and think of how naive I was and how uneducated and and really did not embrace the gift of life and the and the graces that were awaiting us as a couple. Right. Let's get, uh, if you will, down and um, dirty, honest about those reasons that people choose to contracept. We, they've been alluded to already. You had a career. You were invested in that career. Um, and obviously the demands of that studying and so forth would have pre- placed with you uh, a challenge. As you said, you could have done it. It would have been inconvenient. So number one, um, you know, clearly the demands, Paul, a sense of, you know, maybe as a father or a husband kind of sharing that, you know, dare I use the word burden, but I think let's use the terms that I think people might say, speak of. Um, and then you're speaking, though, uh, about a blessing. You said, you know, it's amazing to think back that you didn't regard it as a blessing. I mean, let's just try to linger in this moment a second, in the, you know, in the mindset of, let's face it, a majority of culture. Um, you were there. Many folks have been there. Um, 
so speak to that and trace for us how you were moved from that mindset as much as you can articulate it any further into a place of not just duty, but in the midst of it, if you will, a desire, a joy. It wasn't just a, you should do this because you knew the truth. Mm-hmm. You, know, you knew the Catholic Church teachings. So in some sense, you're a little bit off duty road, even even a little bit off a duty road, right. if you will. But something happened to strike your hearts and your minds to recognize this, not just as a, a burden to endure, but a, a joy and a blessing to embrace. Take us there. Well, the contraception became a burden in and of itself because mm. it never really felt quite right. Um, not that I ever felt that God was angry at me or anything like that. And we were certainly not doing it out of any type of, um, you know, resentment or we were never angry at the church or saying, oh, well, forget it. We're going to do our own thing. It was never being, um, what do I want to say, real obstinate like that. It was just kind of going along with um, and and not knowing any different, really. It was convenient. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so what ended up happening is um, the blessing of being home was that I was able to, I was invited to a mom and tot's um, Bible study group. So our Lord is really, in all this time that I've been home, it'll be 15 years, um, our oldest will be 15 years old tomorrow, so I've been home from work Happy birthday, Joey. That's right. (laughs) And so it's allowed me the opportunity, and I could have never foreseen this, but over these 15 years, all the opportunities that I have had to grow spiritually because I'm home mm. has made it more available for me to go to different faith-filled groups of women and scripture studies, etc., that otherwise I would not have had the opportunity to do. So going back to when we had two, just two small children, I said the mom and tots Bible study and very faith-filled women. This group is still going on um, today, although, you know, the faces change a lot year to year. But I noticed the witness of um, many women there. Just uh, I knew they were open to the gift of life because of the size of their family, and they had a beautiful spirituality and prayer life with their family. So I took notice of that, and eventually, I remember one day at the um, study, just burning with questions in my heart. Um, that I directed at one of um, these beautiful moms there and just started asking her questions about human sexuality. Well, how do you answer this and how do you answer that? And she said, you need to get um, Christopher West's book, Theology of the Body for Beginners. And I really think it was a grace from God that I had those burning questions um, inside me and just really was craving answers. Mm. That was definitely the work of the Holy Spirit. So I got the book and I read it. And it was so beautiful. It was like a weight being lifted off, and it was such a relief because it was like, thank God there's an explanation for human sexuality other than what our culture teaches. Mm -hmm. So it was a relief, and it was like, where has this been? Why haven't I heard this? You know, and because I, and it was then that I realized how much I had separated God from sex because at first when reading that book, which puts the two together, the unity, which of course it comes together. God created human sexuality. He created right, male right. and female complementarity. So it seems odd how you would even not have God in the equation. He mm-hmm. made this all to happen, <laughs> you know. But um, so at first, and I think also because I was in a state of sin, I wasn't in a state of grace. I wasn't going to confession, and so it was hard at first because I had distanced myself from God. To see the two together, to see God intertwined in, um, you know, the union of a man and a woman together sexually. So, but as my prayer life increased and as I went back to confession, 
it was like that all cleared and I was able to easier and easier see God in union um, with us. So, and it, and it really pointed out to me, it's like you don't realize until you can look back and see, because when you're in the thick of it, you can't see it. You're mm-hmm. too up close. And I couldn't see how much the culture had formed my heart and mind wrongly on that until I found the truth and was able to look back and compare it. You don't know what you don't know, right. I guess. Right. Paul, what was going on with you during this time? Well, what was going on was I trusted my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, I trusted her judgment, especially when it came to faith things. I, I, I'm not proud of the fact, but I didn't take the lead mm-hmm. uh, as I should have. I didn't take the lead in, uh, in increasing our faith as a family and, and learning about what I was lacking. I was lacking the... Uh, the knowledge of why mm-hmm. and how and all the other things that are related to the Catholic Church. Why does the Catholic Church teach this? Why are we not supposed to do that, et cetera, et cetera? They're just rules to me. They're just rules without meaning. And and, and that was on my, that burden was on my shoulders, and, and I didn't seek those answers as well as I should have. Thank God for Joan, she did. And she brought that into the house. And, and I have followed her lead on a lot of those things. I'd like to think that I've taken the lead on some things, certainly not as many as I need to, but she's been she's been definitely the uh, catalyst for my faith uh, formation here as, as a 46-year-old man. Um, but I wanted to support her. I wanted I, she's a very convicted person, and I know that about her. I've always known that about her, and I wanted to support her. So from the, you know, from the the husband's perspective i'm out i've got a job we're paying the bills it's fine we're, we're certainly not swimming in money during this time at all but we're paying the bills we're not going hungry and we're living a good life and i've got my wife here who is beautiful she was born to be a mom mm-hmm. i mean i wanted to break in earlier when she was speaking if i could describe jonas she was born to be a mom mm-hmm. and so when people say well how does your wife i can do see it? that yeah, how do you do it? <laughs> absolutely beautiful All right and it takes a special person mm-hmm. um, to do the things she does. With such grace and joy. Yeah, 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 definitely. And so I wanted to support her in that, and, and I wanted to be able to allow her to do those things and uh, what I could bring to the family. So I, I wanted to support her. I keep making that point. And she led the way. She educated herself. She, We've got so many books in our house right now. I, <laughs> I can't even. It's a small library. Uh, and I've only read a few of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's something that I continue to work on uh, even now. Uh, I just read the uh, Theology for the Body for Beginners, or is that what it is? <laughs> I just read yes. that. And I, I should have read that 20 years ago. It's a mm-hmm. great book, and I encourage anybody listening right now that's in similar circumstance, pick it up and read it. Read it over a month. It took me two months to read it. So but you did it. So I got it done. But you did it. Yeah. yeah. So a shout out, first of all, if it's okay, I don't see a reason for it not to be, um, to the beautiful Kelly Reed, uh, who yes. was the one who presided over that particular meeting. And what makes this beautiful in a full circle sort of way is Kelly has shared with us that Ignites before has given her testimony. Her story is not different from really yours. Her and Hal right. talking early on very candidly about their decisions and selfishnesses and all of that sort of thing and how they've been blessing all of us. But many people in this area before we came uh, in communicating um, this joy-filled response to God's grace. Now, um, I want to say that I think for the casual listener, when you said you were at that meeting and describing these number of kids, 
the prominent thought on the secular mind is, you see it, it doesn't work, it's crazy, it's stupid. You know, in other words, a number of kids equals bad. So there really is kind of an inner transformation of something for people to get, to truly get what being open to life is. And I, I have to echo kind of what Paul said here. As I look at you, Joni, I see my wife. You know, it's more of a mystical thing I'm going to say here, but i got to say it. You know, there's a glow. There's an aura around people who are generous. So I wanted to say generous versus even that implies open to life, but some haven't been privileged or blessed to have children. But there's still a glow because their spirit is one of, of being disposed to God's grace. It's, it's one of receiving the way God made them to be and not battling it, not fighting against it, but saying, Lord, you fashioned me for a reason. And I want to be what you called me to be. And I recognize that around me have been whispers and lies and the fruit that I've been partaking of and and not even thinking about it, but I've been doing it. And there's been internally kind of like roadblocks and debris and stuff. And somewhere along the line, some of these maybe even from the beginning, they came to get that stuff out of the way to see that truth and a joy kick, you know, kind of kicked in. You know, we described this when we'd say go to the campus of Steubenville. Versus my alma mater, Miami of Ohio. When we dropped Anne Marie off at Ave Maria, I would say a similar kind of thing. We're on the campus. We're seeing all these wonderful young adult kids. You know, do they have their struggles and challenges? Absolutely. But to go from the campus of Ave Maria to my alma mater of Miami of Ohio, and clearly there, there's an observable but certainly sense of a Ave Maria openness, joy, aura, glow to Miami of Ohio. A thickness, a heaviness, constrained, you know, kind of face, constipated kind of look on people's faces. And I don't know how else to put it, but there is, I want our listeners to know that, that you know, we may not even be aware that there is an abundant life that God wants us to have, that it could be better than it is. And, and maybe if nothing else, you know, if you're struggling week after month after year with an inner uh, anguish, an inner yuck, an inner junk, Open the door to just go before God and say, God, what is the beauty you made me to be without you putting your your filters on it? Because the answer isn't, well, I have a lot of kids and I'm happy because there are a whole lot of folks who have a lot of kids and aren't happy. So, uh, you know, we've seen that also. But I guess I want to make the point that you you folks are describing and giving testimony to the fact that you were the duty was there. It wasn't just an intellectual thing that opened the door. When you read these books, it opened your soul to your nature. It, it, it was, I mean, I'm putting words in your mouth, but I know, tell me if I'm wrong. It was almost like looking in a spiritual mirror and saying, oh, yes, that's, that's the real me. Yes. yes. And yeah, there's struggles and challenges, but this is what I've been waiting for. Yes, absolutely. Um, it was, I was not expecting after reading that book and throwing the contraception away, I was not expecting the feeling of relief. It was like an incredible burden being lifted, and I felt that for a long time. It was really beautiful. And having the knowledge, I started reading some NFP books, you know, very nice, short, brief ones, you know, easy to get um, get into and understand right away. And And I remember thinking how beautiful this is that my body does this and that I can mm. see how God made my body to do this and I can watch when I'm when I'm fertile and when I'm and when I'm not fertile um you know obviously not every single union between a man and a woman is going to result in a child so a woman's only fertile um a couple of days a month but just realizing that I could be so in tune with my body was very right. empowering and that there is a purpose and a plan yes. Deliberately in God's design. Yes, mm-hmm. it's an amazing thing. Absolutely. So I want to address and open the door to your feedback on the point of self mastery. 
And a phrase that, that I've been saying again and again to my kids, and I didn't invent this somewhere, read it somewhere, but if we don't master our desires, they'll become our master. I'll say it again. If we do not master our desires, they become our master. Now, connected to that is the idea that if I don't master myself, am I really giving myself away? Can, I really, can it really be a gift? And if, if that's not the case, take it to the third step. If I don't master myself, to that extent, I'm really using another person. To that extent, I'm really wanting to satisfy myself, whatever way, in this way, sexually or whatever way. And at some level, you may not, we may not be aware, we may not be philosophically formed to understand that that's what's happening. But at the level of the soul, the soul knows. The soul knows um, I'm married or maybe not married, but you're using another person. And there's a kind of, you know, if you will, yuck factor kind of associated with that. Um, So I guess, you know, I don't know, just to open the door and say I think that is one of the cultural challenges that I think folks need to discover that, that, you know, you can master yourself, not on your own. It does take grace. It does take kind of that, Lord, I need, your, I need your strength. I need to understand the dignity of who I am. I need to, um, you know, and, and part of NFP, let's face it, um, is self-mastery. My wife is, is a smoking babe. Okay, I don't know it's exactly <laughs> applicable on a cat. Anyway, she's beautiful. I love my wife. I do she, not smoke. She is a blessed, you know, my <laughs> wife is amazingly beautiful. And if you think I desire her, folks, any less than you desire fill in the blank, your your girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, and wife, you know, I, we're, we're going to be 20 years married next year, and she is amazing to me. And I have to, because of our prayerful discernment and decision, we have seven beautiful kids, another story, another time. But, you know, um, when, when we have to, if you'll reserve, it you know it's a challenge but there's a great grace that breaks through in that there's a great awakening in those moments of self-restraint of self-control that allows it to truly be love yes yeah and speaking you know just from the father's perspective you know i I can hear myself 20 years ago if i was listening to myself now in the audience saying oh yeah but how's he going to pay for a house and he's got seven kids on the way and number one a good kids yeah, 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 well, one kid, one <laughs> not all at once thank goodness yeah. Yeah, that'd be a record um, but we there there's a lot of challenges with that number one a good parent isn't dictated by the number of children you have that's for sure and joan right. and i don't have a number on the wall at home hey we're shooting for x amount of children mm-hmm. we've just been very very lucky and and fortunate for for these children that we've been been uh, given but from the male perspective, it's it's oh I've got to provide a home. I got to fight. How am I going to do that? It's easy. I can't tell you. I have not had one ounce of stress in these last fifteen years. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow, of or is there going to be enough money in the bank account to pay the bills to to do all the things that we need to do? There's been no stress, and I can only attribute that to to the graces of God. God mm-hmm. will provide. It, it, it's living proof. Mm-hmm. And the other, the other part of that is, is, is asking for help. It's been very difficult as a mm. proud dad. I need help. I need help, God. I need help to, to do this. I need help to do that. I need help to be a better father, a better husband. And it's been, it, he, he has helped me and continues to. He's good like that. Yes. <laughs> so fast forward to present day. What words of wisdom as mother, as father, as husband, as wife. Um, Paul, you had mentioned about leadership, you know, leading in your home, um, the blessing you have um, had, Joan, of, you know, being a stay-at-home mom on many levels, but being able to grow spiritually with different opportunities. How has that affected 
present day? Wow, it's affected present day um, immensely because of the people, the beautiful women that I have encountered who have such a close relationship with God have helped me to grow spiritually. And to see them embracing motherhood and their families has been a tremendous support because we don't get support from the culture for this. Um, We're looked at crazy, and we do get comments from people that are not real nice. Yep. (laughs) And it's it's just the way it goes. I'm not mad. I mean, people, it's just people's knee-jerk reaction is, oh, my goodness, kind of you to that many children. Don't you have a TV? Right, you from right. Utah? I know. We've done it before. Are they all yours? Yeah. I know. Don't all you know how ones. to take care of that, you know, right. and everything else. And you're the joy-filled and one as they're asking it in kind of a grumpy way, which is right. always a contrast. Anyways. Right. And it's not always easy. I mean, we have challenges in our life and with our family like anyone else. I think whether we have two children or five or six or seven it's not easy every day day in and day out just like people off at their careers every day there's challenges no matter what you're doing in life there's going to be challenges it's not supposed to be perfect and we have to remind ourselves of that because we are trying so hard to raise our children to really have the faith on their heart Mm -hmm. and so it has required us to definitely trust in God and my advice to um young couples and middle-aged couples out there is that you need to trust in God. It sounds a little, so basic, but you need to ask God for help and go and spend time with him. You know, in adoration if you can and if you're Catholic to to go to mass and to go to confession if you haven't in a while so that you can really receive all the graces that our Lord has waiting for you when you receive him in holy communion mm-hmm. because he comes with graces in his hands and we need to clear that path so that we can accept those graces. We need to give our yes to him and give our will to him so that he can allow his His love and mercy to flow into us because he cannot and will not force it on us. So we need to give our yes. And just to ask for the longest time, you know, I, I think I kind of like felt bad asking our Lord for help mm-hmm. or for graces. And which is silly. There's no reason um, to. But I think it's kind of like that. Oh no, no, no! You know how you don't want to bother somebody right, with right. asking Other for people help. Other need stuff. Much right. less God. Right. It's okay. Don't somewhere. worry. Right. Or maybe part of it definitely, I think, was pride, though, too, because it takes humility, doesn't it, mm-hmm. to accept help. Like when people want to bring meals, it's easy to be like, oh, no, 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 it's all right, I can do it all. But it takes humility to accept that. And um, so with our Lord, it takes humility to admit that we need him and that we need his guidance and that we need his graces you know, every day. And to when we fall down and we're not perfect parents and things are a little crazy at home, to not get all upset about it. and But just to go to our Lord and invite him into the moment um, and invite him into our home to guide us and to be a part of our life and to expect it to not be perfect. Folks, we are live. You are tuned in to Ignite Radio Live, and we're blessed to be with Paul and Joni Miller sharing with us the unveiling story uh, of God's love alive in them, because that's our ultimate mission, to make God, who is love, known. To make love known, God's love. To make lo- It's the whole purpose of making love. It's to, it's to make love known. And I know some of you are listening. I'm not naive. You're thinking, oh my goodness, 
my husband's just not there, or, you know, my wife or whomever, just not there, I need help. Or those of you who are there, you're struggling financially, you're struggling and you feel like you're alone and you can't share this with anybody, I'm going to give you an email. And, uh, you know, I'm just going to leave it up to you. If you simply need someone to pray with you or to connect with you, you are not alone. You're not alone. There are amazing people in this community. There are amazing opportunities. And we will do our best to connect you and plug you in. And I know it seems like Joni just said, you know, humility. I don't want to ask for help or whatever. But, folks, we were made for community. We're made for community. So alive at massimpact.us. Alive at massimpact.us. Whatever is on your mind, whatever need that you have, whatever struggle you may have, above all, I want you to know we're going to pray for you, and we are praying for you very intently. But two, maybe if this is speaking to you right now, and, and trust me on this, it's your willingness to respond that is a grace that I believe is God's work alive within you that is uh, meant to use you even as his instrument in your weakness, the way God works that way. In our weakness, in our need, he's preparing us to be his instrument. And I know there's a mystery there, but I'm going to give you my email again, alive at massimpact.us. You are not alone. Contact us. Let us know how we can be of assistance, how we can pray for you. Paul, what were your thoughts to Stephanie's question and maybe as Joni was responding? I want to put you on the spot, but if you have some thoughts, lay it on us. No, uh, Joni, Joni nailed it as she usually does, mm-hmm. uh, right on, right on the money. Um, you know, my my thoughts are, we are imperfect. We're imperfect parents. I'm an imperfect father, uh, son, brother, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I am now really consciously working towards becoming better, and I'm working with following the direction that the Lord has set for us. And the first step in that is is really saying yes to those invites. Uh, when I was 24, I got Joan suggested I go to a Christ Renews Parish mm-hmm. event at my home parish. And I thought, sure, I want to date Joan. That sounds like a good way to get in good. <laughs> and so I did. Well, that was definitely yes. the springboard for me on my faith journey. It, 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 it definitely catapulted me into a different stratosphere. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was 20-some years ago now. Uh, I'm still a slob. I'm still a sinner every single day, uh, and, and and I'm working consciously to fix that. But some other thoughts I have are is to the, the people that Joan described as some of the ladies. They're some of the best families that mm-hmm. we could ever be associated with, and, and Schleters are definitely one of them too. Uh, it's 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 who you are Millers. with. Yeah, it's who you're with. And we've got such great friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're so supportive in, in the way they live their lives. And, and our children go to their house and their children come to our house. It, there's no questions that mm-hmm. on, our, on our minds. Are, are, is this the right decision? Are, is, is the Smith family a good family? Are they not a good family? It's, it's who we're hanging out with now has been such a, a blessing, too. It's a very strong support structure for us. I want to give an encouragement to men out there uh, in an area that I know is a tremendous challenge and an occasion of great fear. But if we embrace it and, and you pray about it, it's going to be a great blessing. And it's simply this, the gift of empathy. The gift of empathy, the gift of um, praying to have God's heart for your wife. Start there. Have the courage to say, Lord, even just for a week, pray one decade of the rosary and say, Lord, in this decade, you know, I don't even want to tell my wife I'm doing this, but I'm going to pray a decade. I'm going to say, Lord, give me your heart 
for my wife. Help me to feel and experience for her, to get into her world, to understand the way she is experiencing things. If she's working you know, with with children in the world around her that, that constantly has her under attack, pray to have that empathy. Give me your insight, God, because from that's going to flow the words and it's going to flow the right actions. And then I'm going to encourage you, maybe it's a week, maybe it's two or three, invite your wife to join you and say, honey, you know, Let's just pray a decade together. I've been doing this for you now for a few few weeks now. And I want you to join me. And I want you to know, uh, you know, number one, I'm going to ask you to help me become a godly man and a better husband. I'm going to receive it. I simply want you to share with me what are some ways that I can really grow. Because I want, I want to pray for that in this next decade. We're going to pray. Number two, I want you to know I'm praying for you uh, to have a heart for you. I want to understand what's going on in your world better. And number three, just as we pray this decade, as for me and my house will serve the Lord. Those three things. Imagine that. Yeah. And I've, I've, I've shared this with a couple men uh, who struggle, and they're good men who go to Mass, whatever, but they don't pray. They don't pray personally. They don't pray with their wives. Simple decade of the rosary. Start yourself. Become that example. Pray to have God's heart for your wife. And then when you invite her to join you, I can tell you she's going to be extraordinarily moved if these men all across the board, if it's any indication, for the wives to hear them say, I've been doing this for a week, two, three weeks. And so we're going to close in prayer tonight, kind of on that note. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, you fashioned us for your indwelling spirit. You fashioned us to know you and love you, not just in our minds, in our heads, Lord, but to dwell in us, God. And you give us the capacity to love, Lord, which is the capacity to image you. And we renounce all that comes against this plan, this desire of yours for us to know you in this way. Let your anointing be upon us as husbands and wives, brothers and sisters and families for your greater glory. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. Amen.